Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. We also have that additional premium service, FightfulSelect.com. Check that out. But this show is brought to you ad-read-free by our new MMA and boxing YouTube channel. The link is in the description below. Almost no matter where you're watching, I have it embedded in the, the iTunes description, in the YouTube description, all over the place. That is where James Lynch, where James Lynch's interviews are now, going up immediately that's where Carlos Torres' live news updates are, mine as well. This podcast will eventually be there. Uh, it is a pro wrestling and boxing-specific channel. We spoke about it a bit last week. So head over there, click the subscribe button. We have workout footage all the time. We're having companies that send us workout footage. If Showdown Joe catches Vanderlei Silva and uh, Crazy Horse fighting in the lobby, that will be up there as well, all kinds of stuff. But I am joined by Showdown Joe. Joe, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I just think uh, James and I are enjoying the fact that uh, we're in Canada. We're in sort of, you know, short sleeves while you're south of the border in long sleeves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am. And, and to be fair, it is is a, it's a fairly decent day, but I live in a really old house. Got to do the trick-or-treating thing today. Apparently, they moved it. Didn't what? tell any of the residents. They moved it to today because of weather tomorrow. Oh, man. All right. Go figure. Well. James has joined me. James you got a, a new interview up on the new YouTube channel uh, with UFC Moncton's main event star, Anthony Smith. The man of the weekend, as I said right off the top. Yeah, we were able to get him. Uh, some really good stuff there, just talking about what's next, uh, you know, because he called for a title shot. So we talked to him about that. And then obviously, uh, you know, the big win over Uzdemir and just the, the year he's had. It's been pretty crazy ever since losing to Tiago Santos. He's really uh, gone from, you know, a guy that people weren't sure about to potentially a title challenger. But I know we're going to get all into it, but uh, check that out on the channel. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk all about that. We don't actually have a ton of topics today, but they are very big topics. Let's go ahead and start with what I think is some of the most interesting news in MMA history, period. Last week, it was reported that the UFC and one championship who have been, th- their presence has emerged a little bit. Like you, you hear Dana White say <laughs> in his depositions, like they're a monster. They are somebody we have to compete with in Asia. We can barely break into Asia. 
And they orchestrated a trade just a couple weeks after they signed Eddie Alvarez to trade their retired welterweight champion, Ben Askren, to the UFC for Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Now, we're going to dissect this point by point by point. Joe, how long have you been covering MMA? Uh, 1998. Well, we can say 2000. Yeah, 20 years. 18, have 20 you, years. Have you ever heard a serious discussion about this? Not just spitballing, but a serious discussion of like, hey, maybe we'll send you them. You can send us back this person. Uh, in the grassroots level, there's been times when we, you know, I will, we'll, we'll trade fighters here, but even still back then you would want to protect your asset. If you're spending the money building up the fighter, uh, at that, at this level with the UFC and one, absolutely not. No, it's, I, I'm still, you know, flabbergasted on, I've done enough research to understand it and, and just kind of wrap my head around it, but it's still, it's, it's just strange. James, it's a situation that makes a lot of sense, but also you have to wonder, well, what does Demetrius Johnson think of this? What does Ben Askren think of this? They're both ecstatic about it. Yeah, it was just one of those situations that worked out well for both uh, both parties. Johnson really felt like he beat Henry Cejudo in the rematch, so there's no there's no point in doing a trilogy, and he's accomplished everything. I see a lot of people saying, you know, Demetrius Johnson wasn't treated well. Why not let the guy go get paid uh, overseas and just enjoy himself? I think he's going to get a lot more recognition over there where they appreciate the lighter weight classes. And for Ben Askren, we've wanted to see him in the UFC forever, so I, I think this is just a great move overall for everyone. Um, I, I think MMA fans win at the end of the day. And uh, as far as trades, I mean, this is definitely the first trade between organization and organization. But wouldn't technically, when the UFC bought Strike Force, did they not move a couple fighters over? So would that not technically still be a trade there? But I don't know. Either way, it's uh, it's it's great to see that um, you know that this worked out for all parties. And I, I really feel like uh, overall, this is this is the best uh, for for the fans. I saw a lot of those kind of as loans and just assigning people to your new brand, essentially. But. But yeah, but I mean, they owned that entity. They they that's true, yeah. And they they sent some people over, or tried to send a lot of people over for that last show that was just snake bitten and and dead. So Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, you know, you'll always have those people that'll say, oh, "He never fought any competition." If you take <laughs> Demetrius Johnson out of that division, you've got probably four different flyweight champions. And if you plopped Mighty Mouse down there right after, you would see a John Jones esque run where he's knocking off all these former champions. Because he's so good, there weren't other champions. Joe, I, for one, am super excited to watch Demetrius Johnson crush some jobbers in Asia with knees to the head on the ground. I'm stoked yeah, to watch him kill people. You're adding something else to an, an already near-perfect arsenal, if not perfect. Um, the... the I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, when I think about it, the more I, I've got so many different questions in my head. Um, you know, James mentioned how it's it's a win win for the fans. It's I don't I don't know if it's it's a win win for Demetrius because he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid uh, you know, boatloads of money, which at the end of the day is what Ben Askren did, anyways. Um, you know, at, at the bottom line is you, you want a legacy if you're going to be a mixed martial artist or you know, in combat sports, but you also want to get paid. And now. Demetrius Johnson is going to get paid. What what bothers me is, you know, did the UFC exercise as every single potential promotional option uh, with a guy that many of us will still deem the best in the sport, pound for pound best, right? It's 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 just weird to see that type of talent not being able to be utilized and promoted and marketed efficiently. Like, I mean, this guy should have been on every talk show uh, during every one of his title fights beforehand, or at least leading up to it, or at least afterwards, or. He could have been promoted in so many different ways. Now, that's not to say that maybe Demetrius Johnson said no to that type of promotion. We don't know that. But at the same time, 
Um, you know, Sean, you came up with a wonderful idea so many times how to promote this guy and have all these big guys walking into a gym and all tough guys and have Demetrius embarrassing them all. It right? just there's so many ways that you could prom- could have promoted this guy. Uh, it, it's to me, it's sad only because you know we're, we're not going to be able to see him uh, in the octagon anymore, but we're, we are able to see him uh, under the one banner. It's just going to be a little bit more challenging to to watch, but effectively for the most for the for the mainstream audience he, he's pretty much done they're they're never going to hear about him again technically speaking unless they're hardcore fans and they get online james do you think we've seen the last of mighty mouse in the ufc yeah we have absolutely and just to joe's point a little bit i, I agree with him to a certain degree but also how many cards does this guy have to headline before fans you know connect with him he had a lot of opportunities and and it just it, it just it's not in his personality it just happens sometimes with fighters you don't connect I mean, it took McGregor to, you know, bring interest to the 145 division. It took, you know, BJ Penn and Frankie Edgar to give light to the, you know, 155 division. Demetrius just wasn't that guy, and that's fine. I mean, it's, it's going to happen sometimes, but uh, I think he did have opportunities. And sometimes the talk show thing doesn't work. Amanda Nunes goes on Ellen. No one cares. I mean, yeah. it's she's just the same fighter as, you know, she's fighting Cyborg later this year. I haven't heard a you know, word about that. So I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, to answer your question, by the way, uh, I, I, I don't think he comes back. He's going to go over there, hang out with his buddy, Matt Hume, uh, you know, fights, fight some guys, get paid well and right off into the sunset. He has nothing left to prove in the UFC. I think he's I, I, I don't I, I personally thought he beat Henry Cejudo. And if he feels the same way, then, you know, he's done what he had to do. I don't think there was any anyone in that flyweight division, really, that made me say they could beat Demetrius Johnson. So let him get paid. I look at Demetrius Johnson's legacy as the greatest flyweight of all time, period. Among the greatest fighters of all time. He's in the consideration. James, he says he's going to fight at 135 pounds at one. What do you think is the mentality behind that? I'm not sure of their their roster at 135 or 125 or anything, really. I don't know anybody that exists over there that can give him a run for his money unless they somehow snatch up Horiguchi and he manages to make some leaps that he didn't have when he was younger. What do they got for him? Not much. And, uh, you know, I think the most disappointing part is that we're never going to see him and Bibiano Fernandez fight. Uh, they're friends. Uh, they, they train together all the time. That was the one name that you could sort of, you know, hardcore fans could, could you know, pick up and say, oh, that would be a fun fight. Um, I think what you'll see happen, I have a hunch uh, that they're going to end up signing some free agents. Uh, you know, someone like Albert Morales, for example, got let go by the UFC. He's at 35. That would be an interesting fight. Um, you know, there's a couple matchups where I think you could bring guys over. Lewis Smolka is another guy who just won over the, you know, last weekend. Does he move up to 35 to fight Mighty Mouse? That would be interesting. Or maybe they fight at 125. I think they will go that route. That's what they did with Askren. If you look at a lot of the guys that Askren fought, they were guys brought in on one, two fight deals and they ended up fighting him. And, you know, you're not going to get, you know, huge names or anything, but you're going to get, you know, someone that you might recognize or, or maybe they pull from the international pool, someone we've never heard of and they bring him in there too, but he'll, he'll have some competition, but nothing like he was getting in the UFC. Joe, is there anybody that you've seen over in Ryzen that, that may make a good matchup outside of Horiguchi? Uh, Ian McCall would have been uh, one yeah. guy, but they've already fought uh, a few times. So that, that would be a natural matchup if they could, because Ian McCall says that he's retired. Yeah, that's a way to, I think, lure him out. That is, yeah. that is also a good. I mean, because they went to a draw one time, Joe. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at the the one FC roster. I mean, some of the guys that you know, there's Moras, there's uh, Maho Bin. He's ten and four. Danny Kincaid is ten and one. Uh, that's not too bad. And then the other, you know, real name in there uh, is Uyo Wakamatsu. But Reese you know, McLaren, maybe like they've got a couple people that 
the champ is Estaquillo, and he's eleven and six, right? <clears throat> yeah. So it's it's one of those things. And and at one thirty five, they call that the flyweight division, by the way. At at, at one, um, it, it could get really interesting in terms of who, because it, it's it, he's never fought any of those guys, right? Yeah. So right there, there's you know four or five fights for him, uh, and he'll be a champion either in his first fight. Uh, or technically fight for the title in the first fight, uh, if not a second fight. So either way, um, yeah, he's going to have competition. But you know, if if all of a sudden an announcement is made, Demetrius Johnson is fighting uh, Gitchis Akio, who well happens to be the one FC champ, right? Yeah. That's that's what we're looking at here. So uh, you know what we're you know I'm going to be tuning in. We'll see what's going on. I'm sure we're going to be all tuning in when Eddie Alvarez fights. So uh, you know, two good names that one FC has 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 picked up from a North American standpoint uh, or an international standpoint. Um, they, 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 they put on fantastic shows. They got a huge following, so it remains to be seen. But then again, you just lost Ben Askren, but you know, now we've got to figure out what Ben Askren brings to the table for the UFC. And uh, before about probably August of last year, I would have said Akhmedov, but he's kind of went win-loss, win-loss over there since then. And you have Reese McLaren, who I mentioned, who's on a three-fight win streak, has looked very impressive in a couple of those fights, actually. But he actually got beat by... Viviano Fernandez. He's been beat by Ben Wynn. He's been beaten by some of these prominent flyweights already. James, we have to discuss this because through the end of the year, somebody, I think it was Mookie Alexander, put there are only four men's fights, men's flyweight fights booked through the end of the year. And I joked, so they're all booked. The whole, the whole division's booked. <laughs> if you don't have a Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, John Moraga hit the, or John, not John, yeah, John Dodson hit the bricks a long time ago. John Lineker couldn't make the weight. Sergio Pettis is gone. Henry Cejudo, there has been no talk of him defending that championship. There's been talk of him competing at Bantamweight. Uh, if Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson was on that roster, I'd say you better keep that division. Without Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, I, I could take it or leave it. I want to know what you think. Yeah, it's not looking good, is it? Uh, the fact that they haven't announced that. Mind you, we should keep in mind as well that they. it seems like they're not announcing any fights uh, for 2019 yet. Um, I imagine this week, because yeah. the card's in New York, we're going to hear a couple of matchups uh, you know, come to fruition. New TV but, yeah. deal, uh, too. So, I mean, yeah, they can play exactly, into it. Exactly, yeah. So, and, and I'm sure they're angling for that ESPN uh, card as well. Um, but yeah, the, as far as the future, I mean, fans just didn't like t- take a liking to it. And it's just one of those things where, like I said, they didn't have a Conor McGregor or someone that brought intrigue to the division. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the fighters. It just sometimes you need a fighter like that that can really uh, capture a division, which is kind of a bummer because that, that Cejudo and Johnson fight was amazing. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, it's got to resonate. But uh, if I'm a betting man, I, I, I don't know if the flyweight division comes about. I mean, here's the thing, too, we have to look at. How many flyweights have they signed and brought to the UFC recently? The only one I can think of is Shorty Torres. I mean, yeah. there aren't there aren't a lot of guys that they're bringing in, and you know there are guys out there who are you know UFC caliber in my opinion that that have not got signed. So that makes me think, what are they doing? I I, I tend to think they're they're going to go away with it, and I think the ones that they do have, they're going to say, hey, you got to fight at thirty five. Shorty Torres, who as as Joe has let us know many times, is all too happy to say one thirty five, sure, well one seventy, sure, I don't really care where <laughs> I fight, I'll fight anybody. I mean, he tried to fight the one hundred and forty five pound. Yeah, he uh, liked to be a champ, champion. champ, champ. So, yeah, he'll be more than – I wouldn't say more than happy to move up to 135 pounds, but if need be, he'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and the thing is, if if he ends up – if they end up getting rid of that division, uh, I would imagine some of these fighters in the UFC flyweight division are going to end up released or may survey the situation and say, maybe I can make more money in one championship. Maybe I can make more money here and there. Uh, Joe, what do you think is the future for the flyweight division? Not looking good. 
right? It's definitely not looking good when the, the, when the sports pound for pound best is released by the organization because uh, they have no more use for him. Obviously, you know, he, you could say he cleaned out the division a few times until he lost that title. But uh, there's a lot of talent in that division. But it just goes to show you that, oh, boy, you know, when the champion, the only fight the champion is going to be having isn't within the division, but against a, the champion in, in a division above, that's a bit of a problem. Uh, a lot of the guys in the division, you know, aren't as marketable as guys in bigger divisions. They should be. They can be. Uh, but they're not, they're not getting that push. I mean, Tim Elliott could be one of those guys you can push nonstop. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a great personality. Joseph Benavides has been off and on. Sergio Pettis is unfortunately gone. Uh, he's going up a division. Uh, John Moraga, you're probably not going to get much promotion out of him. He's just old school, and he just comes to fight, uh, and that's that. But other than that, I, I, I don't see a very good future for this division in the UFC in 2019 and moving forward. If I were to place my bets, I would say the top three opponents for uh, Demetrius Johnson, maybe Hayato Suzuki, a returning Ian McCall, or Joshua Passio. We haven't even talked about Ben Askren's end of this yet. (laughs) James, Ben Askren is immediately plopped down into a UFC welterweight division, and there are still a lot of questions about Ben Askren. It's for, for all the, the dominating that he's done, and he's got wins over Koreshkov when Koreshkov was a young pup at that. He's got wins over Lyman Good, who is in the UFC, fighting this weekend, I believe. He is, uh, yeah. <clears throat> fighting Ben Saunders. Beat Shinya Aoki. He is unbeaten in 19 fights. Although in that Luis Santos fight, things got a little hairy for him. Dana White claims that he's going to face a top five fighter right out of the gate. Who do you think he fights? I think Darren Till is the fight to make. If Till can get down to 170, if, he, if he's, I know he's mentioned that he wants to move up to middleweight, but there's been a lot of talk on Twitter. But even take that out of the equation. I think this is the perfect fight because Till, the big question was, did he deserve that title shot? And it certainly didn't look like it in that fight with Woodley. He got completely outclassed. I mean, that was a, a dominating performance. Shut out. Yeah. So on the flip side, Ben Askren, is he really that good? Has, is, or is it just that he's fighting less than good competition? And the other win you, you forgot to mention, big one, was Douglas Lima. That was a big win yes. for Askren at the time, too. Um, so let's see. Who's, who's, really, who's really of the hype machine? Let, let's see. I think that fight makes sense for just a variety of reasons because then you have two guys that you know they need to prove themselves. And, and if one can beat the other, then you know who is better than the other. But saying that, Till is a pretty popular guy. I've seen the numbers on some of his interviews and everything. Uh, I don't know if they risk that per se. I've also heard Colby Covington's name thrown around. You don't risk that either. I think you give Covington the title shot, uh, you know, just with the fact that people hate him so much or they love him so much. Uh, you got to take advantage of that. So I'd say either Till would be my, you know, my choice or, or someone like Robbie Lawler, former champion that way. They can always sell. I mean, Askren, I think at this point, potentially could beat Robbie Lawler. And then the, the way you sell it after is he beat a former UFC champion. I think that's sort of their line of thinking. The person I don't put him against in this top five is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That has yeah. the makings of being one of the most boring fights yes. ever. Joe, the top five is champion Tyron Woodley, and then you have Colby Covington, still listed as interim champion, despite the fact that Dana White claimed that that title would be stripped. It has not been, because if it was, UFC's rankings panel is always made aware of that, or at least the, the, the people who update the, the rankings. You have Teal, Rafael Dosanio, Stephen Thompson, Robbie Lawler. Who do you think is the best fit for a, a Ben Askren debut? Um, are Thompson and Lawler not scheduled mm-hmm. to fight or not talking about fighting on that ESPN card? 
It's the it's it's not confirmed. Uh, I not, nothing like there was a report about it, but yeah. uh, I like talking to Thompson when we last talked to him. Nothing nothing set in stone. But UFC does like they do want. Yeah, UFC doesn't have it on their official profiles yet, so they they reserved the. the I mean, look at what they did with Joanna and Shevchenko. They yeah. literally pulled a title fight, then put it back. Yeah, I mean, you know the drill. Yeah, my first choice would be Robbie Lawler. Uh, my second choice is not going to be a popular one because. Uh, some might say it'll be a very boring fight, but I would see excitement in this fight only because you know exactly where a fight's going to go with Ben Askren. It's going to go to the mat. Mm-hmm. So bring on Damian Maya. That I like. I like that fight. I do. I like that fight. It makes sense. He is a number seven uh, welterweight in the world still. And the thing is, Maya's lost three straight fights. Do you put him in there? The thing is, you're never risking anything by putting Damian Maya in this fight. You're you're maybe making Damian Maya look great, but I mean, I don't think there's any real risk in this fight. It could always be boring. But James, what do you what do you think about Maya riding yeah, a three fight? I've heard that streak? fight too. I, I don't really like it to be honest because then is like what what's the upside for Maya really? And and Maya's fought other wrestlers. Like it's not we know how this fight's going to go. We've seen this exact replay of this fight already with Covington and with uh, Usman. So to me, it's like. I don't know for for Askren. I think I, I think it does, I think it does very little for him. Um, and and I think at this point, Maya. I mean, to be honest, I think Maya deserves better. He's had to take fights on short notice. You know, give him someone else. I realize if he does beat Askren, then not, that obviously propels him. But I don't see him beating Askren. To me, the, the catalyst is if you're a good wrestler, you're probably going to beat Damian Maya. He's just a lot slower now. So I would uh, put two thumbs down for that. Unfortunately, uh, just I would to go to go back on that in terms of of um, Covington and Usman. I think they're far better strikers. Yes, you know, no, they, they, they are. Right? I, I agree with that. So I yes. think Ben Askren would, would kind of you know do what he does when he does his stand up, but eventually be like, you know what, we're going to the ground, but I'm going to be going to be very careful with a guy like Damian Maya, despite him True. being older. But he's just that's why I think it's more of an exciting fight. If we're going to get this fight down to the ground, uh, where Ben Askren knows, and I, I, I would argue that Damian Maya would be more than happy to stand and trade with a guy yeah, like probably. Ben Askren, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I think they'll they'll probably or they should book him against a striker. Really test Ben Askren right out of the gate with a guy who is competent on the feet. I mean, as we've seen in the past, Luis Santos had some some uh, luck there. But MMA trades—it's wild to even think about. James, did we ever see a UFC Bellator trade? No, but I do remember, like, I, I mean, th- there was a period of time where, I mean, the UFC was picking up a couple of Bellator guys and a couple uh, UFC guys went to Bellator. Like, nothing huge, but I remember, like, Ben Saunders went to Bellator for a bit from the UFC. And then, uh, like, Roger Huerta went from the UFC to Bellator. And then, I think, back the other way, like, they had, like, Lombard obviously came over later. Um, I'm just trying to think of other Bellator fighters they brought in. Not a ton, to be honest. You don't see a lot. of. I mean, and then there's guys that just fought on the prelims that they ended up just lucking out on, like, you know, Travis Brown and, you know, Chaz Skelly. And there's guys that just fought for Bellator previously, but nothing significant like this. No, I don't think so. This makes me want an, an MMA draft where they can trade draft picks and future considerations. And I, I'm here for the more sport aspects of MMA. And this is a sport aspect of MMA that I, I really enjoy. I, I really like that they made this trade. I think it's, it's good for all involved because Quite frankly, Ben Askren wasn't going to fight anymore. He had an office job at one and was all too happy to uh, hit the bricks. Frankie Edgar is injured. He is out of his UFC Denver main event with Korean Zombie. In his place is Yair Rodriguez. 
Joe, what do you think about this? Uh, Frank Yeager definitely not getting any younger, but Yair Rodriguez and Korean Zombie, that is at least a, from an in-cage standpoint, that's a hell of a main event. I mean, it's going to deliver. Yeah, well, all three of those guys are going to put on fantastic fights, right? Um, we saw Edgar completely dominate Yair, but uh, you know, anytime Yair fights, he's very explosive, very fun, and Korean Zombie is just a Korean Zombie, right? So he's just, he's just amazing. So um, I think we're going to see a good scrap here between these two guys now that the main event has changed. I feel bad for Frankie, obviously, and, you know, being a friend or whatever. Um, it sucks because he's not getting any younger. And, you know, it, the, the paydays are, aren't going to be like they were before in terms of frequency. So uh, Frankie's not going to get paid now, which sucks. But and he wants to fight. He's got uh, – he's that dude's got testosterone, boys. Like, you have no idea. He is ready to dance at any time. Mark my words. And I'm, I'm talking about even outside the cage. He won't do it, but – doesn't take much for Frankie to switch a gear and be like, yeah, really? Okay. So he, he wanted this fight. He really wanted to compete. Unfortunately, you know, injuries happen and it sucks. But like you said, Sean, he's not getting any younger. And hopefully his body can heal up quick and he can see action soon. This card, James, isn't that bad. Like I look at it and a lot of times I'm looking at these Fox offerings, these Fox Sports 1 offerings that UFC is throwing up. And I'm like, ugh. And they really, they really don't care. But you have Cerrone Perry, Pennington, and Jermaine Durandamy, assuming that the former or the, the latter, rather, actually shows up to fight. Benavidez and Borg, those are decent fights. Um, what do you think about this main event? Should they have bumped up Cerrone and Perry, or do you like Korean Zombie and Yaya Rodriguez here? No, this is a perfect fight, in my opinion. And I actually kind of play devil's advocate a little bit. I think the UFC dodged a bullet here in, in a couple scenarios. First off, uh, Yair Rodriguez fighting Zabit uh, when he was supposed to was a stupid idea because you're, you're essentially killing two prospects, right? And I don't think Yair would have come out on top. And, and after the beating he took against Frankie, why are you giving him Zabit? It just didn't make any sense to me, especially a guy in Yair who's very talented, very exciting. Also, you know, speaks Spanish. So you have that Latin America market. So to me, the fact that he's fighting Korean Zombie, I like this fight because I think he has a good chance here. Uh, Zombie's had a layoff. You know, he hasn't been as active as, as Yair has. Uh, Yair's looking to bounce back after the Edgar fight. I mean, Edgar beats Zombie. That's great. He's probably back into it but i think we're seeing in the featherweight division a transition anyways between some of the old old guard and the new guard so um i i I think this is a much better fight and to be honest i like fight night cards where you see two prospects sort of highlighted in the main event i wouldn't really consider zombie a prophet but um it's 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 one of those things where um where where you need to you know you need to showcase your up-and-comers and and i think that the spotlight's going to be on them look Cerrone and perry is a great fight but I, I don't think either of them are close to a title shot at this point, whereas these two guys, I think a win here and maybe another win or another two wins uh, really propels them up. And, and I think the, the focus on these fight night cards should be on their up-and-comers because they don't do a good enough job promoting them. I would have much preferred it switched away, switched around for Korean Zombie and Yair and then Zabit and Edgar even. I mean, because Zabit... Uh, same, I, manage, same management. I don't think they'll fight. Oh, man. Unfortunate. Right. Unfortunate. Uh, also... <laughs> Making news this week, John Jones says that with two years of training, he could become a, I think he said, competent, decent boxer. Said that Anthony Joshua would get the best of him. Now, this is a guy who also out-wrestled Daniel Cormier, one of the greatest MMA wrestlers of all time. And quite frankly, made it to the UFC in, I think, eight or nine months, period. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, to the point to where when I would read regional results back then, I would think, how many John Joneses are there competing in the Northeast? Because I kept seeing his name every single week fighting. He is 30 years old. However, as we know, heavyweights in boxing and MMA tend to last a little bit longer. How do you think that John Jones could do with two years of boxing training, Joe? 
Man, it is so tough to say with John Jones because he's such a gifted talent, but it is a different sport, uh, different footwork, uh, different mentality, uh, different type of style, different type of angles that you have to use. Uh, but it is John Jones. So with two years, yeah, you know what? He'd probably be pretty damn good. You know, I just think it's totally different because um, in MMA, he's got more freedom to do what he wants to do and, and get away with a bit more stuff. Um, boxing no, by no means is rigid, but you're limited to what you can do. Um, you can't throw elbows, Johnny. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting to see. But with two years and the type of athlete and sponge that John Jones is, I wouldn't be surprised if he does damn well at, 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 you know, at cruiserweight or at heavyweight. James, your thoughts? I agree with Joe here. Um, I'll never forget that story that Brian Stan told on the Joe Rogan experience where he basically said that John was doing things that, you know, it takes years to teach people. And John didn't even like he had not a lot of training as far as his transition to MMA. Um, I, I think I, I maintain this steroids or not or whatever. This guy's a special talent. I think I think he could excel in any sport. I don't think, um, you know, I, I think boxing training for two years. I, I think if anyone could do it, it could be John who, who could look impressive. Um, he has natural gifts, whether it's his, you know, his, his movement and, and other things and, and just his build as well, too. I think that's something that doesn't get talked about enough is that he's he's got such a lanky build for, for 205 pounds that he's able to get in and use his length and use his reach uh, to his advantage, uh, where some guys have trouble with that. Um, so I, I think he'd do quite well in boxing. Um, but but again, uh, I wouldn't put money on it. But if anyone could do a good job in two years, it would be John Jones. Let's talk UFC Moncton. This, outside of a couple of light heavyweight fights, was a just a remarkably inconsequential fight card. But those light heavyweight fights do mean a little bit. You had John Vellante defeating Ed Herman. And with Joe, I had talked about how the middleweight division is going to change with retirements and people leaving and suspensions and everything that, that's going down. I see the UFC light heavyweight division heading this route as well. John Jones is coming back. He's not in the rankings yet. Daniel Cormier is going to retire. He's still the champion there. And then you look around and you see some of these other guys. You see Glover Teixeira. How much longer does he have? Well, what's what's Jimmy Manoa going to do? Who knows? But then you have the Dom Reyes of the world emerging. Yeah. You have Ian Cutilaba, who looks very good. You have Anthony Smith, who has taken the UFC's light heavyweight division by storm. You have Misha Serkinov reemerging, getting a nice win. Some of these fights are, are you know, they're okay. And we, we even saw Jared Cannonier as, as James Lynch spoke to him th- this week. He is moving down to middleweight. When I heard the branch fight announced, I assumed it was going to be at light heavyweight, but it's not. We see John Vellante defeat Ed Herman. Misha Serkinov defeat Patrick Cummins. Do either one of these two really do anything for you in the top 10 of the light heavyweight division? Because John Vellante is on the fringe right now, Joe. Yeah, he's on the fringe for sure. Up Misha's top got, 15, rather, I should say. Yeah, I think Misha's got more of a, a, you know, if he could just get behind some sort of marketing plan, um, he, he'd be much more successful. I think him calling out Vulcan Ozdemir in that post-fight interview was a genius move because uh, now that Vulcan lost, uh, Vulcan really doesn't have much, uh, he doesn't have a trump card. He doesn't have anything to bargain with. Uh, he may have to take that fight. It's a risk, again, for Misha because, you know, you lost to him once, you cannot afford to lose to him again. Um, and it's it's riskier for Vulcan as well because, well, you already beat this guy. You better beat him again. If you don't, you are in big trouble, right? So it's got an interesting storyline. But of those two guys that you mentioned, John Vellante and Misha Serkinov, uh, Misha in general, you know, he, he's got that build. He's got that look. He could be a much more popular fighter. It's just a matter of 
they got to get some sort of marketing behind him if he's going to be part of the new blood or the influx in this division that's going to take over the guys that are basically on their way out due to father time. James, I see Serkinov, and he's got three wins that I really like. Kutilaba, Krylov, Cummins. Kutilaba, or Kutilaba Young, Krylov, and Cummins clearly have giant holes in their game. And when they have given Serkinov that top five opponent, top ten opponent, he's lost both times. What do you see for the future of Misha Serkinov? I think they have to be careful. I actually disagree with Misha's call it with Volkan because, uh, you know, he just came off two losses. And this was, let's be honest here, a bit of a gimme fight. I, Patrick Cummins is probably not employed by the UFC, uh, you know, come later this week, um, you know, just with the amount of losses he's taken. I, I think he's got to slow roll this a little bit. He just got to a new camp at Extreme Couture. Looked good in the fight. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that performance could have gone better. But I think he needs to be careful about what, what matchups he's doing. I know he's not a young guy, but, um, you know, he is a popular guy in Canada. You notice they always put him on the Canadian cards. I think he does sort of resonate with the fans. But, you know, what makes you marketable? Winning fights. And I don't know if a rematch with Vulcan would, would necessarily go his way. I mean, we have to remember that that Vulcan fight nearly went his way on Saturday, on Saturday against Anthony Smith. So, um, I, I don't know. I, th- I think Misha should be careful. I've seen some people... Uh, you know, throw some names out there, but give him sort of a, a mid-tier guy and, and, you know, get him get one more win. Let's just really see more of his game. But that fight against Glover, that was really eye-opening for me because he just seemed very uh, lost when he got in certain positions. And I think if he fought sort of the upper echelon guys, even like an Anthony Smith, I think he'd be in a lot of trouble. So um, I, th- I think they need to give him one more fight to kind of, you know, feel things out and then see where he goes. I would agree with that. I think they'll hang on to Cummins just because it's he's won two, lost two, uh, or he's lost two, won two, lost two. And I think that they kind of – well, his his run since then has been like, we owe you one because of the Daniel Cormier fight, essentially. That's true, yeah. And I, th- I think they'll hold on to him for that. And his initial run was pretty solid after that when he beat Kingsbury and, and Shoeface. But I think they'll keep him around just for that. But also, you have Tiago Santos coming into this division as well. And who knows what he's capable of in, in def- maybe defeating Manoa, who would have lost three in a row then – there are a lot of people in this division that I think are where they shouldn't be. I think that Anthony Smith probably leapfrogs a whole lot of people, but John Volante has been on the, the fringe of that top 15. When you have a Jared Cannonier losing his way out of the light heavyweight division and moving to middleweight, that kind of helps you out a little bit. Uh, a Santos popping up doesn't help you out a little bit. That was a very close fight against a guy who hadn't been fighting for quite a long time. So I don't think that that one did him any favors. However, Anthony Smith definitely did himself some favors on Saturday night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This was a, a great display of heart from a guy who has had 40 fights, who is physically imposing at 205 pounds, and he's fought at weight classes way lower than this before. But he did what he had to do, Joe. And as he said to James Lynch, he wants a title shot. What did you think of his performance on Saturday night? I thought his performance was uh, okay. I mean, it wasn't spectacular to the point where it was jaw-dropping. He was fatiguing very quickly. You want a title shot? Man, your cardio better be through the roof. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about an upper echelon fight. 
if you want to get a title shot with either Daniel Cormier, the winner of John Jones, Alexander Gustafson. Your cardio's got to be through the roof. This is a guy, something, I mean, uh, he, he did get injured. His leg got messed up. We know that, right? Um, at the same time, he's a scary fighter. He could end a fight at any time. Uh, and I think, you know, I still, I know the rankings haven't been updated, guys, and he's still listed at number 10. Hopefully he's, you know, in the right position when these new rankings come out. Uh, he is a dangerous fighter. Uh, I think right now his only knock seems to be the, based on his, on this performance here, uh, would either be the cardio, the stamina, and, or if it's strictly, uh, because of the injury suffered in the fight, then, you know, th- th- he doesn't really have an issue. But other than that, this guy is fantastic, in my opinion. I think he just, he looks completely different than, than what he actually is. He's such a nice guy, uh, very candid, very smart, very intelligent, um, but just doesn't have that look. He's that guy that you see on the street, and you're like, that guy looks like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Volkan Ozdemir is not a guy you want to eat a lot of shots from. And Anthony Smith ate an awful lot of yes. them. I spoke about it on the post-show podcast. That that was impressive in its own right with the mileage that he has on him, uh, he being Anthony Smith, but he's still just 30 years old, like a pretty fresh 30, turned 30 in July. Rashad Evans and Mauricio Shogun Rahua are better wins on paper than they are maybe in, in execution because of their cage miles and Rashad Evans retired. But before that, he had lost to Tiago Santos and won three fights at middleweight He's done great. I think he's won 13 of 15. James, what did you get out of the conversation that you had with Anthony Smith uh, this week? Well, just that obviously he he realizes there were areas that he needs to improve on, especially in the early going of that fight. Because, I mean, I'm watching this fight and I'm thinking, oh, man, Vulcan's going to finish him. I mean, it certainly looked that way, right? And I think what made this fight so great, and this is why I, I really enjoyed this fight, it, this is one of the best comeback fights just in terms of the magnitude of the division, uh, in terms of everything Smith's been through from getting cut from the UFC the first time to coming back to getting knocked out at middleweight to moving up. Like, this is just a great story. And a guy who's left his family in Nebraska to go train in Colorado at Factory X. So all these sacrifices paying off. But um, in terms of, uh, you know, what, what he told me, I mean, it's just sort of the usual stuff, which is, you know, he feels that he deserves a title shot. He has a good he has a good point. I mean, he beat the number two guy. Um, you know, if we're going by rankings, that should mean something. Now, as far as who's next for the winner of Jones and Gustafson, it really is up in the air right now. You've got Jan Blackwitz, You've got Dominic Reyes. Um, you know, you've got the Latifi and Anderson fight. So maybe the winner there could potentially get it. But I mean, he makes a strong case because I think really this division is wide open and yes, he didn't look good early on, but I think the fact of the matter is he got the job done. He finished Vulcan Ozdemir. A lot of guys have not been able to do that in his career. He's only got three losses and, um, I believe they're all by, uh, by, um, by, by stoppage. So, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is a good win for him. And I think, I think he realizes like he, he's got to take some time off obviously, but I think he realizes that. You know, when he's ready, let's say next year or whatever, he could, you know, make those adjustments for the next fight. And, uh, and you know, he's shooting his shot. I think that's the best way to put it. In January of 2016, Anthony Smith was not in the UFC. This year, alone, in bonus money, $150,000. And for a UFC fighter, that's quite a bit. Just this year. <laughs> that's not even factoring in salaries, Reebok, all that extra other stuff. Uh, he's getting it done both financially and in the cage. He he wants that title shot. I think he deserves it. But if you've got to put it off a little bit, I think that Dom Reyes and Anthony Smith is one hell of a fight. And if you can find a way to add that to uh, that John Jones, Alexander Gustafson card at the end of the year, ooh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you really highlight these two guys. Joe, what do you think? Does Anthony Smith deserve the next title shot? I mean, you've got... 
Jones and Gustafson. You don't know what's happening with the light heavyweight title yet. Yeah, so the point I wanted to make as well, and, and you're 100% bang on, only because he needs to be involved in a title eliminator fight or title contender eliminator. Put him up against the next guy that's potentially in line for a title shot and then have that guy, the winner, take on the winner of Gustafson um, and John Jones on that same card. I think it'd be absolutely fantastic if they promoted it that way. To me, it's always been MMA promotion, even boxing or combat sports promotion 101. You have a title eliminator um, or contender eliminator on the same card as the championship title fight. Um, the one thing I do want to mention about you know, Anthony Smith is, you know, guys, we talk about it all the time. Not all the time, but we talk about it enough uh, is MMA mileage. You know, there's certain, there's only a certain amount that the human body is going to withstand and take before the mileage of, of training mixed martial arts kicks in and the best of the best fighters can no longer compete because simply, quite simply put, if you, do, if you look it up and do a Google search, uh, the, 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 the trend is eight years. If you've competed in MMA consistently enough for eight years that's when the body starts to shut down and it doesn't matter what age you started um you know jordan or jordan um oh my god i'm drawing a blank jordan mean jordan mean is a guy that that comes to mind started mma at a very very young age chris wardeski started mma at a very young age eventually these guys were fantastic the body just can't handle it anymore so um that's my take on anthony smith now he's at the elite level right now um I, i for for his sake give a title shot but for the division stake sake you know title eliminator fight i'm really really excited about the new blood at light heavyweight now tiago santos is 34 he's about to be 35 but you do have qt lava who is emerging you do have dom reyes you do have anthony smith so some of these guys have had runs before or tried to have runs before long careers before and are now re-emerging and you got john jones coming back I'm not convinced that Alexander Gustafson shows up to fight. He's just one of those guys, man. I don't know if he's going to fight until he shows up to fight. You might also have Luke Rockhold in that division. So lots to look forward to at UFC light heavyweight. If I am a Luke Rockhold, I I feel like maybe I missed the boat a little bit because you have these new names emerging. And for a while, literally months ago, guys, there were not these names emerging. And there, it was wide open for a Chris Weidman. It was wide open for a Yoel Romero. It was wide open for a Luke Rockhold to step up and say, give me a title shot. With Reyes and uh, Reyes and Smith emerging, it's not so wide open anymore. With John Jones back, it's not so wide open anymore. So I thought a lot of people kind of missed the boat there, but we'll have plenty of that to talk about on UFC 230, our preview. A reminder, guys, we have a new YouTube channel covering MMA and boxing. The link is in the description below. Please subscribe to that. Uh, This preview will actually be isolated and put up in a clip on the new YouTube channel. So we're going to have clips from the shows. We're going to have clips from James's interviews. We will have James's interviews. If I do any, they'll be up there too. Carlos Toro's, uh, we're going live all the time on that channel just to talk news updates. We're going to have lots of cool stuff over there. It is important to us that you all subscribe to that channel with MMA and boxing really uh, coming to the forefront again at the end of 2018. I wanted to give it the highlight that it deserved. And we got UFC 230 tonight, or not tonight, Saturday night rather. <laughs> this prelim card, from, from a name value perspective, you do have Lando Venata, who James, uh, you spoke to, but outside of living off of that impressive but losing performance of Tony Ferguson, he's got to win here. 
Yeah, he does. Uh, this, this to me, I, I, you know, I've spoken about this before. I, I think this is kind of a fight for him to win. Um, you know, Matt Frevola, great guy in the regional scene. You know, had some good wins, but I think there's just you know different levels to this. And even Lando, Lando mentioned that in the interview. Um, you know, this this should be this should be a fight that Lando should win. I think context is important. I've seen a lot of people talk crap on Lando and you know say that he's uh, you know he's overrated and all this, but you got to look at the competition he faced. I mean, losing to Drakkar Close, who in my opinion is one of the best prospects in the lightweight division, that's not a bad loss. Um, He's, he's been in fight in certain fights. Um, the one interesting thing here is that he was part of that split with Jackson Wink. So, um, you know, when Cerrone left, he also left um, and, and Nick Urso, and there's a few other guys that are sort of doing their own thing. So is that going to hurt him in this fight? I'm not sure, but uh, I, I think this is a winnable fight for him. And I, I think, I think the UFC knows that Lando's an exciting fighter. And I think this is kind of a fight set up for him uh, to, to look impressive and to potentially get a finish here. I love Matt Frevola, but I, I just think Lando's the better fighter here and I'm picking him to win in this one. Joe, I have a sentimental connection to Lando Venata. When we started Fightful, one of the first cards that we covered was that Tony Ferguson fight. I mean, if you remember, over the course we of about a T-shirts after that, we wanted Lando Venata T-shirts after it, that. It was unbelievable, and everybody expected that because he took the fight on short notice at lightweight that he'd be moving to to featherweight. That didn't happen. He said, "No, nah, not not my style." And that win, or not not that win, that performance over Tony Ferguson just continues to get more and more impressive as we see Tony Ferguson, that total psycho, just dominate people and come back and win and have these great fights. But this was one of the first shows that we ever covered for Fightful. We had that insane week and a half where there were like four or five cards. He's never quite been able to replicate that outside of that amazing wheel kick. And after that wheel kick, we were still on the bandwagon. But the David Teamer... Bobby Green and Clark Coast fights haven't been exactly, you know, what we expected. Although, if that knee hadn't hit in that Bobby Green fight, he wins that fight. And he, he did fight. get fight of the night. I feel like Lando Venata, even if he loses here, he's not going to get cut. Because I, I kind of look back at that Patrick Cummins-Daniel Cormier fight. And I'm like, they, they kind of see that they, he did a lot for them. And he did way more for the UFC than he was expected to do in that Ferguson fight. So I think he hangs around. But from a relevance perspective, I think he does need to win here. And I think he does need to win impressively. Oh, I, I, I mean, just go back to James' analysis, which was bang on. He has to win this fight. Um, you know, can Matt pull this off? Of course he can, right? But this is a fight for Lando Venata to showcase his skill set again uh, and remain as part of the roster. Because if he loses this, I see what you're saying, Sean, but he's basically going to be on call. Like, give him an old-school pager, you're on call. <laughs> yeah. That's about it, right? Because you, you, you came in with uh, – you took that fight with short notice on uh, short notice with Tony Ferguson, and it was just an unbelievable fight. You answered back with that wheel kick scrap in Toronto – or wheel kick victory in Toronto. Um, and then, you know, you, you go one and two – or or no, oh, two and one uh, in your next three fights. Weird, because you should have had that victory um, due to the illegal knee. But at the same time, he's got the skill set. Um, you know, I don't even think he belongs in the UFC fight pass, to be honest with you. Maybe they don't want to showcase him on Fox for they want to screw Fox for whatever reason. But this guy here, he, I think he should emerge victorious in this fight here, but he has to. He has to, or else, you know, he's going to be on call. If he, if he does emerge victorious, I don't know how much it does to his stock, guys, uh, but a win will, will obviously put you in the good books of the UFC because when you win, you get, you know, better fights, better competition, technically speaking. Speaking of uh, fight pass, Brian Kelleher just you know, shortly after defeating Hennem Barrow, and he, he lost his last fight. On the fight pass card against Montel Jackson, this was 
originally supposed to be Domingo Pilarte. But I, James, are you surprised to see Kelleher on the fight pass prelims? Not only am I surprised to see him on the prelims, I'm also surprised that he's the underdog on the betting line right now, which I find interesting because uh, really? you know, Jackson. Yeah, it's I I, I don't know. I'm, I have to double check what the line opened as, but as we're as we're speaking right now, um, Brian Kelleher right now a plus one twenty underdog in this fight, which I find interesting because I know he's coming off a loss just like uh, Jackson is, but. John Lineker, man. John Lineker. This guy yeah. beats everyone in the bantamweight division. So, um, you know, I, I find that a little surprising. And I, th- I think just this just speaks to how stacked the, the main card is. I, I'm guessing they must be uh, – this is my guess anyways. I think they're really high on this Carl Robertson guy, the middleweight. I think that's why they put his fight with Jack Marshman on the main card because otherwise I think Brian probably would have been on the main card otherwise because he, he's a New York guy too. Keller actually opened up as a minus 185 favorite. So, oh, so the line flipped. Interesting. Oh, it okay. flipped huge to plus 120. So – I, I I don't know where that money's coming from, James and Sean. I mean, it's it's it, is it smart money? I don't think it's smart money. I mean, even it's, though it's, it, even though it's a virtual pick 'em, that's that's one I got five on. Yeah, right, straight yeah. up. I mean, say what you want about Hennon Burrell, and Hennon Burrell is a shell of his former self. Brian Kelleher won that fight. There there are a few that I got I got five on that Lyman Good Ben Saunders line. It, yeah, that's crazy. I, I don't know how you can put a former Bellator champion at a minus six hundred. Even against Ben Saunders, and I like Ben Saunders, but we'll, we'll get to that fight. We also have Shane Burgos against Kurt <laughs> who James or Joe, you know a little bit about, has yep. fought in Titan several times. His Dana White contender series and UFC runs haven't exactly went the way that he wanted, and he's got a tall task ahead of him in Shane Burgos, who has some really exciting fights. Uh, won his first three in the UFC and is looking to rebound. Yeah, I mean Kurt Holubo, uh is a guy that that Hullaboo. yeah his camp him and his camp are just a one people man they are just the nicest human beings you can possibly imagine and, and so obviously I got a soft spot in my heart for for guys like him so uh, I am going to pick him uh, to merge victorious but how ah, man he's going to have his absolute work cut out for him um, Shane Burgos obviously as we know um, is no joke despite you know he, he's ten to one he lost to Calvin Guitar which is you know a fair thing to lose at UFC two twenty but. Other than that, I mean, he was on a 10-0 run. He was undefeated. So it's going to be a lot of work for Kurt, but Kurt has the ability. And he's another guy, unfortunately, that's got MMA mileage. So hopefully Kurt can get past that and, and, and emerge victorious. But other than that, he's going, to have his ta- he's going to have a tough task on Saturday night. He is a he is a plus 255 favorite, or underdog rather. Burgos, a minus 310 underdog. You also have Adam Wycheck, a uh, minus 230 favorite. Ruggiero, a plus 190 underdog. I think I just flipped those on, on the last fight I mentioned. James, anything else stand out to you on this fight pass prelim? Um, yes, but uh, first I wanted to mention that Kurt Holaba and Jason Knight are actually in California training at Team Alpha Male, so that might pay off for them. Uh, Jason, in our interview with him on Fightful, basically said, you know, he's getting his ass kicked now. Uh, he was basically the big fish at his gym, and now he's finally fighting, you know, having training partners that are that are putting him, you know, on his butt. So I think that that's a positive thing. And I agree with you guys. I think the line's uh, pretty pretty crazy on, on the Holaba fight. At plus 255, there's some value there. But I got to mention to Burgos, I mean, it was less than a, well, it was, a, it was about a year ago, more than a year ago. He finished Charles Rosa. Uh, Charles Rosa is a very tough guy to finish. So I put a lot of stock in that win for Burgos um, as far as that fight goes. But the rest of the prelims, the one I'm actually keeping my eye on, which I think could be potentially fight of the night, Julio Arce and Shaman Moraes. Uh, Arce 15-2. and two. 
already has a pretty good track record in the UFC, getting that win over Daniel Tamer and Dan Ige in his debut. Um, and Moraes, uh, you know, had to fight Zabit short notice. That's never an easy task. That, that was one of his losses. But I think this is a really even matchup. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the winner is definitely going to get sort of a more notable name after this because uh, both these guys are, are young prospects in the in the flyweight divi- or, uh, featherweight division, I should say. Arce, a minus 345 favorite. Marias, a plus 285 underdog. Somebody's going to make a lot of money on this card because there are a lot of lines. <laughs> there are a lot of lines that I think are are pretty generous. That Ben Saunders, plus 450, uh, plus 450 underdog to Lyman Good, a minus 600 uh, favorite. Man, that's a crazy line when you got a Ben Saunders in there, and Ben Saunders has lost three of his last four, but you never know when he can pull off a win like this, James and Lyman good has, has been on quite the, quite the impressive streak. He had that split decision, a uh, loss to Aleski de Santos. That was a fight of the night, but before that he had been on a hot streak, a former Bellator champion. How do you see this one going? Um, I, I, I favor Lyman good in this fight. I don't like the line on this one. Like you, like you guys are sort of suggesting. And I do want to mention, we talked about Ben Askren earlier. Go watch that Ben Askren Lyman good fight. That was a close one. I I don't think we've ever seen Ben's face, uh, punched up that much in a fight. Uh, he had, you know, black eyes right after the fight was over when they were putting the belt on him. So Lyman definitely gave him a good beating, uh, pun intended, um, on, on that one. But, uh, another interesting note, I'll just mention, um, there's a couple teammates on this card, Burgos, Lyman good and Julio Arce all train at Tiger Shulman. So one of those momentum things, Maybe if one of the guys loses, you know, keep an eye out for that because sometimes that can either help or hinder a teammate. Talking to Anthony Smith this week, he said when Court McGee beat uh, Alex Garcia, that was a big boost for him. So just keep stuff like that in mind when you're looking at these fights because uh, that stuff does uh, play into it. But yes, my pick is Lyman Good. Also, we have Roxanne Modafferi, former title challenger, facing the woman who didn't show up to the fight, essentially, for that title fight, Sajara Eubanks. This is another... Big line, Eubanks, a minus 475 favorite over the plus 380, Roxanne Modafferi. Joe, given Sajara's trouble making weight and Roxanne's just marked improvement since actually training full-time to be a fighter, I think that line is a little generous because I don't know how how necessarily this fight will go. There are just so many factors to that play into this. And obviously star Eubanks has been on a, a emotional roller coaster. And yeah. this, this is a fight that went three rounds on tough and it's hard to really put what happens on tough into consideration, considering the physical and emotional roller coaster people go through on that show. What do you think about this fight? Um, actually, before I give you my thoughts on that fight, was the lineman good, Ben Askren fight the one where Lyman's knee almost blew out? Or is that another fight? Uh, geez, I'd have to go down to memory lane. I think it it, it might have been that fight, actually. Yeah, now that okay. you mention it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see because, I mean, that, that line's still crazy. But in terms of the Sujara, Eubanks, Roxanne Mata Ferry fight, and what, what, goes to, what goes through my head with these two ladies is, is that Eubanks potentially is going to just bully her opponent. She's going to bully her. Uh, and just beat her down for three rounds for 15 minutes or at least um, you know, just keep your limbs in check. But at the same time, she's just I think she's going to beat down Roxanne Modafferi. But Modafferi's improvements led me to believe that, you know what, you leave your arm hanging out, I'll take it. I'll break it. I'll take your back. So it's one of those things. And one of the most important things that Sean mentioned you know, in, in describing this fight, where's your head at, son, or madam? Where's your head at? <laughs> because um, the emotional roller coaster that she's been on, especially like, 
you would have to think there's times when she's training or thinking or alone in her own head thinking, I'm disgusted to be fighting for the UFC after what they did to me, gave me a title shot, took it away. I, it's just it's just the craziness. So if she can keep her head and, and her thoughts just focused on the fight, she should emerge victorious. But if there's any mental break, and you know Roxanne Modafferi is just a happy-go-lucky fighter, she'll take advantage of that and choke her out. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, this is one, Sean James, you know, at plus 380. Eh, five on it for uh, Roxanne, why not? We also have Jordan Rinaldi, Jason Knight. Knight, a minus 260. Rinaldi, a plus 220. Considering how Knight fights, I thought this would be more of a pick But you, you spoke to Jason Knight recently, James. Revealed the length of his UFC contract. Was, was pretty forthcoming about all that stuff. Yeah, he was. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, he, he knows there, there's a lot at stake for this fight. Um, you know, it looks like the uh, the UFC is, uh, you know, they, they're, they're giving him this uh, this opportunity here against a guy in Rinaldi who I, I think he should win. Um, you know, his last fight against Mako and Americani, I think that could have gone either way. Uh, Knight, Knight is still up there. He's as far as uh, one of the good featherweight fighters. I think like the Land of Anata matchup, this is a fight that I think is tailor-made for, for Jason Knight. And, and I, I like the fact he's going to Team Alpha Male as well. I mean, he, you know, if your training's harder than the fight, then you know, that always uh, pays off well. So I, I feel like, um, yeah, th- this, this is going to be, I think, a showcase fight for Knight. Um, not, you know, Rinaldi's good as well. Trains with the Lima brothers in Atlanta. Um, you know, definitely a, is a guy that's uh, looking to bounce back. But I, I think uh, Knight overall, uh, you look at the experience there, I think that's going to pay off in this fight. Speaking of lines that surprised me based on how people fight, Derek Brunson, a plus 260. Israel Adesanya, a minus 320. Obviously, Israel Adesanya, a highly touted emerging name in the UFC. Derek Brunson can knock you out when he's not fighting like a fool. James, how do you see this fight going? You also talked to Israel this week. I did, yeah. Israel, no no surprise, very confident heading into this fight. And and I agree with him here. I mean, if you look at Derek Brunson's wins, they've generally just been my knockout. If if he gets uh if, if he fights a guy who's gonna sort of come at him, he doesn't seem to do as well. And I think that's what Israel's gonna do in this fight. Um, I think the line's right where it needs to be. I think Adesanya's look, I was a doubter of Adesanya when he fought Tavares. I picked Tavares in that fight. I thought experience, thought it was too much too soon, based after the, the fight against Vittori. But he proved me wrong. After what he did to Tavares, I think he beats Brunson. I, I think uh, I think he uses his striking. I think he'll get the better of the exchanges. As wild as Brunson is, he has to get in there and actually tag Adesanya. And you're talking about a former glory kickboxer. I don't think it'll be an issue. I think Adesanya puts on either a finish or he gets a really dominant uh, decision. But I, I see Adesanya getting his hand raised. Joe, quick prediction for this one from you. Adesanya will be in the top five or number six uh, after this fight's done. We also have Jack Marshman and Carl Roberson. James, you say that UFC tend to like Carl Roberson. You spoke to him as well. He is a minus 270 over Jack Marshman, a plus 230. How do you see this one going? I like Robertson in this fight. Uh, you know, again, uh, you got to look at the, the loss in his last fight. Cesar Ferreira, one of the, the top guys in the middleweight division. Uh, you know, he basically just said, you know, I made a mistake. I'm, I'm past it. I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, the experience clearly goes to Jack Marshman in this fight, but I think Robertson, really fast guy, uh, you know, really knows how to, to put it together. I, I think we'll see another highlight reel win from him, from him in this fight. A Dana White contender series uh, product essentially had a very impressive 15-second knockout on that card. So, Joe, you know they want him to do well so they can say Dana White contender series and, and add him to the, the highlight reel. Go Jack Marshman. <laughs> So uh, up next, Jared Cannonier takes a fight on short notice against David Branch. Both of these guys have competed at light heavyweight, which led to me to believe that this fight naturally would be at light heavyweight. James, however, Jared Cannonier is moving on to middleweight. 
He's a plus 325, Branch a minus 400. First off, do you think Cannonier makes the weight? I, I, I think he will. Just talking to him when, when we did our interview, it sounded to me like just the way he is, like in terms of his eating habits and everything, that the weight's just coming off. Um, you know, I, I realize that, that he is a former light heavyweight guy, but he wanted to fight sooner. I mean, that's one thing that I think is getting lost in the narrative lead, leading up to this fight. So his weight was already pretty good. I think he was expecting something because, um, of course, he had a fight book against a Cheerio, and this fight's uh, sooner than that. So I, I think I think he will make the weight. And I got to tell you guys, I think there's value here on Jared Cantonier. A lot of people writing him off. I know Branch has been very impressive. Outside the loss to Rockhold, he gets a win over Santos, gets a win over uh, Jocko. But, uh, you know, Jared Cantonier at plus 325, a guy trains at a good camp at the MMA lab. Um, you know, the losses he's had in the UFC are, you know, Dominic Reyes. That's yes. not a bad loss. That's a, that's a great, you know, as far, I mean, no one likes to and lose. And like but, heavyweight. Exactly. So I think there's value here in Cantonier. And look, the pressure here is on Branch. Branch is from New York. Branch had two big fights fall through, not just this one. You're supposed to fight UL Romero. That got switched up. Jacare was supposed to fight. Obviously, he's fighting Weidman now. Um, if I'm Cantonier, I got nothing to lose here. I, I got this on short notice it, on a huge card. This is a huge opportunity for him. I'm going to pick Branch, but if I'm going to lay any money on this fight, it's going to be on Cantonier, man. Three, plus 325, I'll take that. Joe, anything to add to this fight? If the weight cut is good for Cannoneer and he can fight for 15 minutes, uh, I think he'll, he'll win two rounds to one. There you go. We, we have uh, Jacare Souza stepping up to fight Chris Weidman. I love this fight. It is a good fight. Either one of these guys can knock the other one out. Either one of these guys can win the fight on the ground. Joe, you've seen a lot of both of these guys. How do you think it goes? We have Weidman as a minus 170, Jacare as a plus 150. Don't know what to say about either one of these guys heading into this fight here because Jacare Souza's uh, skill set, father time, is now beginning to diminish. He's making more mistakes. He's slower. Chris Weidman, we just never really know. I mean, he was the world champion that sort of fell off the way he did. I, I it, it's, it's very difficult to say, uh, or for me, excuse me, to make a prediction. I think the line is exactly where it needs to be, guys. Minus 170 for Chris, plus 150 for uh, Sousa. James, what do you think of this one? Speaking of Weidman, it sounds like the surgery went well and, and all the injuries that he's, that he's had. It seems like he's finally, uh, you know, ready to just, you know, see the Chris Weidman, you know, see the type of fighter that we saw defeat Calvin Gassam last year. Um, I, I, I favor Weidman in this fight, but you got to be careful with Jacare. Like, like you guys mentioned, you know, he has knockout power. I mean, his last fight, I, I think that was a fight that we thought was going to be a lot closer. And he, he goes out there and he finishes Derek Brunson. I mean, that's that's impressive. Um, you know, and, and we talk about the decorated ground game as well. It wasn't that long ago either that Souza, you know, submitted Gegard Mousasi. I mean, that was a pretty dominant win for him, um, which was only a few years ago. I, I'm going to pick Wyman in this fight just because of the power. I think he's got, you know, more power here. But, um, you know, it's two older guys. I mean, Wyman's 34. That's one thing to consider, too. Jacare is 38. So it's not like these are spring chicken. Um, but, but you know, being in New York, co-main event slot, knowing that a title shot is potentially on the line here, I think Wyman will, will come through and, and get a finish uh, maybe in the second round. Yeah, I'm picking Weidman to win here as well. I think the UFC has to want him to win too. I think Jacare is kind of bulletproof, whereas Weidman is still somewhat close to his title run, and they 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 want him to be able to put him in co-main event spots like this. I see uh, Weidman winning it on the ground, probably with ground and pound, which we have seen some the the power of real power ground and pound emerge recently, and I've loved it. Main event time, Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis. A reminder, immediately following UFC 230, we do have a live post-show podcast on this channel. Eventually, they will move to the MMA and Boxing channel, so be sure to subscribe to that. Link is in the description below. Derek Lewis, a plus 500 
Cormier a minus 700. That type of line scares me for Vegas anytime I see a heavyweight fight, especially at this level. However, Derek Lewis said prior to this fight, hell no, I don't want a title shot. My cardio is terrible. Daniel Cormier said, I don't want to fight at UFC 230. My hand is injured. So from a, an in-cage standpoint, Derek Lewis has just an outstanding reach advantage. From a statistical point, he is an anomaly in some of the things he can accomplish. He is, I think he has the most ground strikes of any UFC heavyweight or near it. He has like the, the largest statistical comeback in UFC history against Minikov just recently. But at heavyweight, Cormier has speed and can cover distance that makes up for that lack of reach. And he is a very small heavyweight or at least from, from a stature point, that can also play to his benefit when he takes people down. His small frame, he crashes it down on them in, in a way that, that comes almost offensively, and I think that's very special too. Lewis can stop takedowns, but I don't know if he can stop Cormier's level. He instinctively pushes his hips back, it puts his head or pushes their head down, dives in underhooks. This is a guy who stood up, Joe, with Gabriel Gonzaga on his back at one point. Um, Derek Lewis will go flying courtesy of Daniel or air, Daniel Cormier, air, air DC. He's going to lift him up. He's going to slam him. He's going to control him. And he's going to go for a choke. He won't get a knockout. I don't, I mean, he could, but I don't think he'll be able to knock out Derek Lewis a, because Derek Lewis seems to be unknockoutable. And then at the same time, his hand hurts. So look, look for a choke here. One of the underrated things about Daniel Cormier, James is his clinch game. He pulls his head down. Uh, in the clinch, or pulls the opponent's head down in the clinch, lands punches, and when they instinctively pull back, uh, even when he cradles them, he'll give away the underhook just to cradle the head. You'll see a situation like Stipe Miocic where he either leaves his legs open or he leaves his head open and eats a short punch that dropped Stipe Miocic. This is a very special thing to have for, for Daniel Cormier because if he gets in the clinch range, I think it's real trouble for Derek Lewis. I agree. Um, the one thing like Joe mentioned and you guys mentioned is the hand injury, though. How is that going to impact him in this fight as far as the striking and as far as everything else? I have a feeling this might end up looking like the Anderson Silva fight where it's just DC wrestling the entire fight. I don't know if he gets a finish, to be honest. Um, I know that sounds crazy. People are going to, you know, I'm sure people are like, what the hell? He's, he's going to finish him or there's definitely going to be finished in this fight. But that plus 700 prop fight goes the distance is looking pretty good right now. Because, again, DC just needs to get the win here. There's a lot at stake here. He doesn't want to make any mistakes. The way you win this fight is not by striking with Derek Lewis. It's not even by really trying to take him to the ground because I think even there, like, I don't know. I, I, I see, I, I think Cormier, if he's smart, he just tries to out-wrestle him. He tries to hold him down there. Um, knowing that the Brock fight's in, in, the, in the distance there, I, I, think, I think we could see kind of a boring fight. Now, with that said, I think more than likely we'll see a later finish, but I don't think it's going to be a quick win for Daniel Cormier. I think he's, he's got to just wear Derek Lewis out until he absolutely can't do anything else and then just go in for the kill. And the thing is, when you wear Derek Lewis out to the point he can't do anything else, he can still knock you out, which is exactly. unbelievable. Uh, another thing that I love that Cormier does, when he lands the right hand, he puts his head down so low that his head is almost by your hip, ready for a level change. So he has you thinking, right hand, level change at the same time or immediately right after. That is very special. Reminder, live post-show podcast Saturday night after UFC 230. Subscribe to that new MMA and boxing channel because we're going to have a ton of content up there as well. James, let the people know where they can follow you on social media. 
at Lynch on Sports. And uh, like uh, Sean was saying, a lot of interviews for UFC 230 up on Fightful. Check those out. The big ones, though, Chris Weidman, Israel Adesanya. Uh, just lots of good content here uh, heading into 230. So don't even worry about those other sites. We got you covered over here at Fightful. And be sure to subscribe to the new YouTube channel. That's where you'll find all my interviews and all of our uh, other great content on there. Carlos Toro doing a great job, by the way. Really liking his uh, boxing stuff. Joe, what do you got going on this week? Same old, same old, man. Start coaching tonight. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Saturdays are our first game. So I'm excited. It's going to be a crazy Saturday. I got to help a buddy move. Then I got to coach. And then now we got UFC 230. So uh, it's going to be an interesting Saturday. But uh, yeah, I was telling James uh, and Sean off air, I got up at 4.30 this morning. And then James trumps me because he gets up <laughs> at 5 every day. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But I'll tell you this, boys. I'm going to bed early tonight. I'm exhausted. Follow him at Showdown Joe. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful Online and Fightful MMA. Thumbs up, subscribe, tell your friends. We're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.